This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those who are driving those changes. I am Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which is Triangle Pest Control as well as Triangle Home Services, Triangle Pest Control and Triangle Lawn, as well as the CEO of Colmarch, a digital marketing and sales services for the home services industry. And with me, as always, is Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello and good morning? By the way, we're recording this in the morning. Hello, good morning. Happy to be here. Looking forward to uh, a pretty good uh, discussion about marketing. You're so, up. guys, what we got going on here is Dan has not selected the right microphone, so I'm going to introduce Dan. Dan is awesome, in case you're wondering, and this is what we love to do when we record podcasts real time. So you all just get to hear me talk about all the accolades I have with Dan. Dan is a wonderful accountant. He is wonderful at M&A. He has PCO bookkeepers, PCO M&A specialists, as well as TurkBooks, but he's not so great technology in case you haven't figured that out we, we think, love him i think oh, we got the go. technology under go. control it uh <laughs> it shifted on me but just uh as a side note last week uh donnie called me for some tech uh, support so oh this is true yes i did we're, yes, we're, I did. we're, we're not as inept as we appear but, uh, <laughs> but we definitely appear inept so well, you didn't you didn't tell the second part of that story, which was it made me laugh. You're calling me for a technical question. All <laughs> righty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to introduce our guests and our topic today. We are talking about ten ways to take your digital to the next level in the off season. And Dan, I thought it'd be a great idea for us to talk about this topic, especially this time of year. You know, as the season's kind of winding down for a lot of our listeners. I know for me personally. This is when you kind of reevaluate how did the season go, but more importantly, you know, what do I need to change and what I need to do to prep for the next season? And, and so this is almost like for me personally, this is when I get busy and, and oddly enough, you know, when the summer comes, I don't really do a whole lot because all the changes that I've done. Um, so we are pleased to have actually two coal marchers with us today on the podcast and they are known affectionately as the Rachels or RB and RK as we like to like as we like to call them. One is uh, Rachel Betterbid and the other is Rachel Kirkpatrick. RB is our vice president of digital marketing. She oversees the SEO and SEM SEM. Why am I struggling talking this morning? The <laughs> SEO and SEM teams at Colmarch and is responsible for maintaining and evolving the company's digital marketing strategy for our clients. Uh, she has this is not her first time on our podcast. She was also on episode 21 which where we talked about digital marketing strategies that get results, which we will link in the notes once we get done with this show. And, and I will tell you, RK has just been banging down my door to get on this podcast, by the way, she just loves public appearances. I'm not being sarcastic whatsoever, but we also have Rachel Kirkpatrick, who is our vice president of client success, who provides our clients with premier customer experience from start to finish. She is the one that <clears throat> she's responsible to kind of handle our clients. And so she gets to see, you know, what all of this looks like very much from the seat of an owner uh, or, or a marketer. Um, and so we're gonna hear from both of them and we're gonna talk to them. I think it'd be, we thought it'd be great to get them both on board, mainly because RB kind of handles all of the 
all the technical side of things of things that we set up. And then RK is when she gets to sit in the seat of what's actually working in the field. And so, so Rachel and Rachel, welcome to our podcast. Hello. Thanks for having us. Uh, Rachel, RK just wanted to say that uh, your career probably can't uh, go much further now that you're on this podcast because you reached the top. I've met the pinnacle. Uh, This is it. Pinnacle. I'm not sure where you go from here, but. uh, Well, I'm glad we're basically celebrities now. So. Yeah, you guys are celebrities. You'll be signing autographs and just all the above. So, all righty. So the topic of the day is all right. It's the end of the season. I should say the end of the season is winding down for a lot of our folks. And it's time to start thinking about and reassessing what's happening with marketing and how do we get ourselves to the next level next year. And so you guys, yeah, I gave you guys kind of an assignment to go and, and, and come up with a list of things that you feel like people should be focusing on and doing. And you have a wonderful list here. And just a reminder to our listeners, we're going to have this list linked uh, out, out of our show notes on pmpindustryinsider.com. But RB, why don't you take number one here on the list? And again, this, the, the, the topic of this list is 10 ways to take your digital to the next level in the off season. And, and why don't you talk through the very first thing that you put here on the list? Sure. I like that you just called on me because I was, who's going to talk, Rachel or me? We're going to talk over each other. Um, But to kind of (laughs) kick things off. So this is, you know, this isn't necessarily related to digital specifically, but in general, from a business perspective, our number one kind of piece of advice um, when thinking and planning for the upcoming year is to reassess your customer acquisition costs. Uh, To me, this seems a little bit like a a given. This seems like duh. Mm -hmm. Um, But as someone who has worked with clients over the years, you know, pest control business owners, lawn care business owners, hundreds and hundreds, uh, you'd be surprised at how many of them do not have customer acquisition cost goals. Um, So this is something that I think should be, you know, assessed on a regular basis, you know, as your prices increase, as the market changes, this is something that um, going into the year, you should really think about, you know, what am I willing to spend to acquire a customer? So things that go into that, you know, what is your annual value per customer? You know, on average, how many years are you going to keep a customer? Is it going to be one year? Is it going to be three years? Um, Has this changed in the last couple of years? What is the ROI that as a business owner I'm, you know, aiming for to get for my digital marketing campaigns? Um, I think that this is really important to think about because your ROI goals are going to change as your business goals change. And it's something that needs to constantly be reassessed as you're in different stages of your business. Well, I think the other thing that we need to talk about here, too, is that it's changing. Right. I mean, when I first got into digital years ago, it was not uncommon to have, you know, cost per lead at 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Um, I, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I have seen is that this, the, the pricing is going up. It's, it's way more competitive. I'm not saying this is the case in all markets, but, but in the little world that Donnie operates in, uh, we have seen prices almost double, if not triple in terms of cost per lead and cost per sale, not because it's less effective, but because more folks are in there bidding up pricing. Um, do you guys see that kind of on a global scale? Yeah, we've definitely seen that, especially in the last year with, you know, the buzzword COVID. Uh, It's been a a big part of, you know, what we're seeing for our clients. Absolutely. 
do you see a difference between rural and um, you know metropolitan areas? What uh, and what is the disparity? Not necessarily dollars, but what if uh, a, a metro uh, area is a hundred dollars? How much would a rural area be? Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to to say exactly, but obviously the bigger the city, the more customers, potential customers there are and the more companies there are that you as a company are competing with. So naturally, I mean, even pre-COVID, we've seen areas like Atlanta be extremely competitive, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, extremely competitive. And so, you know, when we're talking about pay-per-click advertising in particular, it's an auction. So the more people in the auction, you know, the cost gets driven up. Um, so naturally, I think the competitive landscape is a big factor in that. And, you know, there's just more competition in a highly concentrated area like a metropolitan city versus a rural area that, you know, there's just not as many companies operating that you're kind of competing with. And, and it's hard, especially when these you know prices are changing and the cost to acquire a customer are going up that's why it's so important to have a goal in mind you know going back to setting those goals and making sure that are we achieving them are we you know just blowing them out of the water um you know many times we we come to our, our business owners that we're working with and, and are looking for that guidance on what's going to work for your business how is that plan to you know your annual value per customer, like Rachel mentioned, or average customer lifetime value. We have to know those goals in order to assess where to put money and how to, you know, get the most. And, let, and let's just be real here for a moment. Dan, if you were to be selling a company on the open market, given rates right now per customer, what is the acquisition cost? Just to say for a quality company, and let's just take it down to the individual pest control account. Let's just say it's 500 bucks a year, and you can pick the multiple. I'll let you pick the multiple. Let's just say it's a quality company. What multiple is that going to go for right now on the open market? But it depends on what size the company is. But if you're a large company, you could be as much as three times revenue. If you're a smaller company, maybe one and a half. If you're a lawn care company, it becomes very much, much more difficult because you're seeing 1.3, 1.4 at the at the margin. You're not seeing a 3.0 even for the very best companies. So lawn care is a little more difficult, and also the attrition uh, rate in lawn care is higher than in pest. So you're going to want your lawn care leads to be quite a bit less than pest. So would I pay $500 for a sale in pest control for that that 500, you know, that that quarterly service that you just recommended? I probably would. Would I do it in lawn care? Maybe not. And that's and and that's the real thing that I and and I'm thank you Dan for answering that. And that's that's really the point I want to make here is that you know, in the past we have we have absolutely been riding a growing market which means that we've gotten customers at a discount. But the reality of it now is, is that you go out to acquire a company, you're, now your cost per sale is $1,500 at a 3x multiple for, for a $500 annual account. We're talking about past right now. You know, online, that, that, that's the reality. I mean, we, we would not spend 3x, but you may say, well, all right, well, I may end up doing $500 cost per sale for a past customer. I'm still getting it at a third of the price if I were to go out and acquire it through some sort of acquisition. And so... Very great point. I think I think now that the pricing is going up, you know, to both Rachel's point here, you absolutely need to know what these targets are and what you are willing to spend 
because the fact is, is that there's either, you know, I always view this as is there's this sweet spot, right? You don't want to under bid because now you're going to leave, you know, leads out there. You can leave sales out that you don't normally get. And you also don't want to go too heavy because now it's just, you're running an inefficient campaign. So, um, so anyway, great, great yep. point. And I think it's definitely, it is changing. <laughs> and I think, uh, expectations of what you're going to spend online probably need to adjust upward. And I don't well, see I think, that trend. I, going I down. think you're also, you, you got to work on your attrition because yes. if you have high attrition, then you can't afford to pay these prices for, for new customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think, go ahead, Rach. <laughs> I was going to say attrition, but also your closing rate. Like those are two very big factors that affect your ROI that, you know, from the digital marketing side of things, when we work with, with business owners, you know, and they're, they're saying, what ROI can I expect? Or how can you get me a better ROI? And, you know, there's, there's things on your end as well that you can work on to get a better ROI. If you increased your closing rate from 30% to 60%, you're going to, you know, you're going to close double the sales right there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that both of those are. And, and also, also the pricing of the program. If you have a $500 quarterly or a $1,000 spotted lantern fly, you know, you can afford to pay more than that. Right. So, yeah. so that's kind of uh, plays into that as well. Which, so, and, and I was going to say in close rate and getting your sales better, don't cost a whole lot of money. That's right. effort and training. So Right. All right. Which which Let's, definitely leads us, you know, into number two, yes. which, you know, they're Perfect. very closely related. Uh, it's all about implementing the infrastructure to actually assess those customer acquisition costs on a regular basis. It's it's one thing to, to set the goal. You can't set it and forget it. Your closing rate's going to be changing. Your attrition's going to be changing. Cost, you know, of marketing is going to be changing. So you have to implement that infrastructure, which is our number two. Um, do you have a way to measure those on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you closing the loop? Um, these are things that you know we're thinking about for our business owners that we work with. RB, can you talk just a moment? But by the way, I, I, I will ask Mar Marisa to link. But did I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a I'm a YouTube star. I actually did a video <laughs> on how to do this, uh, on how to how to you know decide on what your budget should be. Uh, for marketing and how to set that budget based on your goals. And let me just tell you this, it went viral. I think it's got 400 views. <laughs> Definitely um, anyway. a fan favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we will, I will ask Marisa to link that in on the show notes, but, but RB, I want to bring that back to you. Why is closed loop so important when you're trying to figure out these numbers? Like why is it essential to have closed loop? I think it's definitely essential so that you can actually measure customer acquisition. I think that if you're, you know, for us from the digital marketing side to be able to measure cost per lead, that's great. But then the line kind of ends there and it's, you know, it's kind of up to our clients to be able to close those leads into sales. And that's where the cost per sale and that how much are you willing to pay to acquire a customer comes into play. But in general, you know, having being able to close that loop between marketing and advertising and see what is the money that I'm spending in advertising and marketing? What is that actually generating in sales and revenue? And how can I constantly look at that and decide you know, do I want to put more money into this? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to kind of cut my costs or try to be more efficient with that? Um, I think that if you don't have that visibility, which, 
you know, I'd say like 90% of, from at least the cool merch side of things, 90% of our clients don't because their CRM doesn't really talk to where they are measuring their website's performance. So there's no talking that's going on between the CRM that they use, whether it's pest pack or pest routes or, you know, real greens, um, service assistant, whatever it is, it's not talking to Google analytics. It's not talking to, you know, where they're actually measuring, you know, their website's performance. And so it's hard to kind of tie those two together and, and see what I'm spending on advertising, whether it's SEO or it's pay-per-click campaigns or it's social campaigns, what is it actually generating for me sales-wise and revenue-wise? And without that, you really can't measure ROI if you don't, if you can't close that loop. So I think that that's really where the value comes in. So one of the things that I ask or, or I hear all the time is, geez, you know, I get these stats from my digital marketing company, but they don't line up with Google Analytics. And so you probably don't get to see a lot of the CRM other than your closed loops. But Donnie, you have, you know, Triangle. Do you see a big disparity between Google Analytics and the reported costs and whatnot? And, and, and if you do, what's the reason for that? So, so ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, I did not pay Dan for that setup, but it could not have been more perfect. So <laughs> I'm just going to say that now. No, the I'll answer to that question. <laughs> no, the answer to your question is that we don't. We used to. And and I want to back up here for a moment with this, you know, everyone can measure ROI. You absolutely can do it. That's not the point here of number two, right? You could certainly sit back with no infrastructure, right? And say, this is what I spent on marketing. Here's what I got in leads. Here's my cost per lead. And here's what I got in sales. And here's my cost per sale, right? Everyone can do that. As long as you've got a P&L, and you know what you did in terms of the CRM and customer account, you can do that. What this point is making here is the infrastructure to automate that so you can look at it on a day-by-day -day basis. And so coming back to what Dan asked, we do have an integration um, with our CRM. We've got, and, and now let me put on the Comarch hat. Comarch is, we've got integration with several CRMs. And what we are doing is that we're tying marketing channels to specific customers. And so what that allows you to do is once it's automated, now you can look at it on a daily basis and you can set budgets based on weather, you can set budgets based on market trends, you can move a lot faster and know that the data that you have, going back to Dan's point, is real. Because if you don't have that vis visibility into the CRM, the only thing that a marketing company can tell you is that this is what this is this was a contact. Whether or not it converted into a sale screw you who knows right we don't know we just know that it generated a contact and so that's the difference and and so dan thank you for that setup by the way and and i will look for that bill but certainly that was you know it's a huge competitive advantage because now you can fine-tune your marketing campaigns and you can get very surgical on how you leverage your marketing dollars um so which brings us to number three rb do you want to take that one do you want rk to take it Oh, you know, I have thoughts, so I will take it. <laughs> this is something that, you know, obviously, if you if you remember Donnie's initial introduction, RK is the the person that kind of manages our our client facing team. But it's something that I also did the first five years that I was here at Colmart. So I have my fair share of experience oh, yeah. talking to to business owners, you know, 
getting into that discovery phase of learning about their business. And one thing that I learned is that people specifically in the pest and lawn industry do not have true competitive advantages or unique value propositions. Um, so our, our third point that we really want to drive home is to, again, assess your company's unique value proposition and really define that because everyone in this industry does the same thing. I mean, as a consumer the last year with buying a house and, and signing up for a pest control, uh, you know, recurring package, every company is doing the same thing. They're coming to your house and they're treating three or four times a year. And so, it, you know, the question is, how do you really truly stand out if your competitors are doing the exact same thing that you're doing and they're driving the exact same value? You know, what are the things that you can implement to truly have a competitive advantage? And this is something that, it, again, in my experience, I'd say 99% of companies what they say their their unique value propositions are are what literally 99% of all companies say so things like oh we'll come great, out and great service we we yep, have great, great service great service yeah. guarantee we'll come out we're eco friendly we're family friendly it's like guess what literally everybody says that so it really it yeah. it doesn't it doesn't hold a lot of weight when there is nothing that you do that makes you stand you know apart from your competition and i think that this is something that triangle does pretty well at least just from a same day service standpoint i mean that's becoming more and more popular for pest companies in particular to offer but it, it really is a you know when you think about when you have a pest problem, someone doesn't want to wait around and sit with their roach problem for seven days. Like one of the most important factors is how fast can you come out and treat? So if you're like, you know, we can come out same day guaranteed, that's a pretty big competitive advantage in my mind that not enough companies take advantage of. And I'm, you know, I'm sure logistically it's a nightmare, but. And, um, so and I just want to add one so which company did you, is that, which, well, which company company did you charge? But, oh, well, we're stepping on each other. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the one caveat I would say out of this is that, you know, you don't it, when we say competitive advantage. It, it doesn't have to be completely unique. It just has to be a position that you own. So, mm -hmm. for example, in, in Raleigh area and in, in, in Charlotte, you know, we own same day service. When we say we, I'm talking about Triangle Pest. Um, and, and for a few years, that was kind of unheard of. You know, it's becoming more and more common. But we own that position. Now, are there other folks who have looked at Triangle and implemented in different markets? Yeah, that's fine, right? I mean, and if you look at Bobby Jenkins, for example, down in Austin, you know, he he is one stop or one company we can handle all. Are there other folks who are doing multi-service that can do that? Yeah, you can take that. So it just has to be something unique and competitive in your market. It doesn't have to be like completely out of this world, right? So I'm sorry, Dan, we were both talking on each other. You go ahead. Uh, so so, so it, an interesting point that you were making was that, that uh, you know, once you get on the phone, uh, obviously, you know, if, if you have a pleasant CSR who's making the sale or salesperson, that's going to get it. But what you're saying is you've got to get to the top of the page. It doesn't matter whether you have a uh, pleasant CSR if you don't get to the top of the page. So how do you get to the top of the page other than bidding it up is there a way i see i don't even think it is about getting to the top of the page i think it's more once someone finds you what's going to make them want to pick up the phone and call what really makes you kind of what sets you apart i mean you know when you're talking about owning same day service donnie and raleigh i thought of a couple of years ago we worked with a lawn doctor who they did price matching guarantee and they were one of the only lawn companies and i think they were in denver that offered that and that was a really great unique value proposition that not every other lawn company offered and of course they have the brand name of lawn doctor to go along with that so naturally they did well but 
just really, because getting to the top of the page is SEO. It's a totally different thing, right? You could get to the top of the page, but if you have horrible reviews, if you, you know, your prices are too high, if you have no benefits that really speak to the consumer, it, it doesn't really matter. Your conversion rate's probably not going to be that great. So I think of it more as once someone does find you, what is actually pushing them to the next step, which is, you know, garnering interest so that they actually want to pick up the phone and call you and potentially work with you. Well, and, and the other point I want to make out of that. I, I was going to say the other point out of that is, you know, think about what's happening on the platform. When I say the platform, I'm talking about Google, Google local services. If you don't have anything unique there, let's just say you have three ads across the top. They all have great service. They all care about their customers. They all have this, you know, guarantee. Well, then what are you going to, what's going to differentiate them? Reviews only. Right. And so it's almost like you, you want to have something in addition to so that, you know, if you're not number one with reviews, if if what I mean, because in, in Google local services, it's three across the top. They're all been, you know, they're Google certified or whatever. And and at that point, it's what does your ad say? What is unique? And then what are the reviews? And that's it. And if you don't have something, you know, you got to win one of those. If you win both, great. Um, but it, it's got to be something. So and of okay. course, you know, we we shouldn't. We have to know that customer service, of course, is an important thing to focus on. We're not saying to to divert any of the attention on customer service, but you know that is a benefit. That's going to... Poor customer service. <laughs> Poor no. customer service. But that's going to be a benefit to the customer that plays in after the sale. You know, is customer service really going to be that differentiator that makes the sale? Probably right. not, which is why some of the things that we've mentioned are so important. Now, retaining, absolutely, 100%. So I want to I want to move on. We we actually have yeah. number four here, and I'll just say it and move on because I really want to take some time on number five. We're not going to get through this entire list, but but number four was diversify your digital marketing advertising channels, which kind of rolls into our next topic. And I am going to just do this now. And my book Grow, I say not to do this. And I have been a. And if you've listened to me over, by the way, I know everyone does. Um, you know, if you've if you've listened to me over the last five years, you will you will know that I have not been a huge fan of number five. I have since changed my mind. I reserved the right to change my mind every now and then. So, RK, let's talk about it. Number five. What did you What did you put down? So for number five, and I know Donnie's going to eat his words a little bit on this one, but invest in branding. Did you hear that, Donnie? Yes, invest in yes, branding. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to branding, you know, this should absolutely be factored into your goal ROI, as we were talking about in number one. Uh, it's an investment. It will not immediately pay off within the year or two years, maybe even three years. And it's hard to quantify exactly how it's playing into the bigger picture. But it's something that you just can't put off. Um, you know, the longer that you don't invest in brand awareness tools, whether digitally or not, of course, we're, we definitely like the digital side. Um, you know, it's, it's really necessary in those competitive markets and industries. Um, you know, the, the goal of brand awareness isn't to reach the person who already has a need for your service. We do that on the direct response side, but it's to familiarize them, you know, with your brand. So when they do have a need, you know, your company is the solution they already want. Um, and I know everyone is familiar with brand awareness and how uh, it plays into it. But, you know, on our side, we see a lot of businesses who are all about, you know, putting every penny towards 
generating leads. Um, and it's all about the leads, which of course, we're gonna invest there, of course. Um, but in my opinion, you know, it's like investing, I guess in bonds, you know, they're safe, you'll get the return, but what are you missing out on when you're not being a little bit more aggressive with your investments? So it's all about the long game when it comes to brand awareness. It's really hard to make that investment in the moment when all you're trying to do is grow and grow and grow. Uh, it seems a little bit counterproductive, but I promise it pays off in the long run. Um, I'm sure you can echo that same sentiment, RB. <laughs> so Absolutely. What, what, I, I think what what are the what are the methods of brand awareness? Um, the the problem with doing it, and I don't disagree that you should do it, is if you're in a big market, it's very expensive, very very expensive. So if you're buying cable or whatever, I mean, what are your right. billboards? What 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 are the things that you're thinking? I, I think it has to go back to kind of what we were talking about. Well, I guess we didn't talk about it quite yet, but kind of really diving into like, what is your target customer? This is something that may change throughout the years. I think of when I was working with clients, Terminex uh, Triad was a company that they were like, you know, our target customer is, you know, 60 to 70 years old. So it doesn't really make sense for us to be advertising on Instagram, you know, like their target customer was an older demographic. And so they were still spending money in phone books, which sounds insane to say this was only a couple of years ago, but that was what worked for them because their target customer was a way older demographic than let's say you Don, with trying Pass. I mean, we're in Raleigh. It's one of the biggest tech hubs in the entire country. There's a very large demographic of young professionals here that your target customer is probably going to look entirely different than what Terminex's look like. And so with that being said, your branding should look entirely different than what Terminex's look like. So I think the first step of that is really, you know, defining what your target customer is and maybe not what, you know, your target customer is right now, but what you want it to be moving forward. If, if you want to tap into a younger demographic, then I think your branding needs to look more, you know, on the social side. It needs to be more Facebook, Instagram, you guys will laugh at me for this. Maybe TikTok at some point. <laughs> I think TikTok is really great for for e commerce. I would love I to have a TikTok van. I want Dan to do TikTok. I think that would be awesome. Not Your customers yet. are on TikTok. Hate to say I it. Mean, they yet. are. They really are. And so I think that that's I you know to improve my golf swing on TikTok. There, there we go. There's something yeah. in it for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, next door I have has been story. really great for that too. But oh, it absolutely has. I I have a story here, and I want to add a couple of qualifiers to what you guys just said, or at least thoughts. The first one is here in Raleigh, we have a company called Michael and Sons, and I'm sure the Rachels are gonna. Yep, they are shaking their head. Um, I could sing you Michael the jingle, and, but I'm not. Yes, yeah. So Michael, and, <laughs> the story of Michael and Sons is pretty impressive, and you know. And I know that the Rachels here will agree with this. Companies that invest in branding get more results out of their online marketing. They they get better results, really. But this company, Michael and Sons, they were came out of nowhere. They were based in, I think, in D.C., then they went to Richmond, and then they came to Raleigh, and they went big. I mean, every radio station, every TV station. Hell, I was driving down the road on the interstate, and even like the interstate owned, but like their name was there. Like they went all over, and within a period of three years, they became the number one HVAC service company in Raleigh. I mean, they had supplanted companies that have been here for 40 some years. And I mean, it just went big and it worked. And this was the first time that I started really questioning my, my branding position, position, I should say. But anyway, long story short, they it just goes to show you the power. If you really 
commit to branding, how well it works over the long term. The flip side of this is, is that if you're a smaller company and Dan kind of alluded to this earlier and your marketing budget is 50K, don't even try it. There's not enough money there. You know, you are going to be in the buy leads game. And so this really needs to come down to what's your size? What can you what can you afford to spend in branding and is it enough? And there are some strategies that you can use. You could do like, for example, display campaigns and you can limit it by, say, demographic or limit it by zip code and make a big impact in a specific area. Uh, you know, but but my point is, is that whatever you do, make it so that it actually does something, because if you're doing one commercial on the radio a week or let's just say three, it ain't going to work. And if you're doing just a little bit here and there, it is going to be a waste of money. And so just really think through, like, what's the channel? How much can I spend? And will it be enough to make an impact? So, all right, I'll get off my soapbox here. We well, are only about, three. About, but before you to get off your soapbox, how about uh, if I have a certain amount of money to spend and I'm a certain size? Because you're right. You, you can't do branding if you're real small. Uh, but let's say you're, I don't know, five million dollar company and you've, you're, you're going to spend. Uh, I don't know, $400,000 on marketing. What percentage should be branding and what percentage should be direct response? I would say that would depend on your goals. Um, and also it depends on what is your inventory and what's the pricing in your local market. If you can get, you know, a frequency of like five on one channel, um, and let's just say the, the you know, I forgot what they used to call it. It's not volume, but the number of eyeballs or ears or whatever impressions. that you can impressions. hear. Impressions. Impressions. Sorry. Yes. So if you can get the impressions and you're up to like five, um, then then I, that's great. I would go as much as 40 percent of my budget and then use the remaining 60 for direct marketing, whether that be, you know, pay per click or whatever. Um, but again, th those are all variables that you would have to get into the numbers and see see what makes sense so it also alrighty. depends on how well your direct response campaigns perform because with triangle you know you guys kind of dominate the search engine results page in raleigh triangle is number one and so your your customer acquisition costs digitally at least on the seo side of things are extremely low to where you can spend a little bit more in different areas because it kind of offsets it so i think yeah it just it's completely it depends on kind of your business in particular and where you stack up with all that so so we are killing it with time, by the way, which means that we're, we're almost at the end here and we've gotten through four. Five, <laughs> part two, halfway there, halfway well, there. We're halfway there. So let's look through these last five here. And RK, why don't you just say what they are? And then RB, okay. why don't you pick the one that you feel like out of these five that we need to at least have a quick discussion on. And then again, just a reminder to folks that are listening, you can download this list um right off pmp industry insider.com and, and call and ask questions if you want to dig into one of these so so rk read them off and then rb you pick the one that you feel like we need to finish out here on do All we right. only have time for one only one yes <laughs> oh, one, one more oh, so yeah, number six more. number six we have utilized digital efforts to track offline ad campaigns uh number seven focus on improving your sales team performance Number eight, make sure your website is in great shape. Number nine, consider adopting a digital franchise model, even if you aren't a franchise. And number 10, test, test, and more test. Okay, RB. 
digital marketing expert. expert because I'm I'm really between two of them from a from a marketing stamp. Oh, this is really hard. Um, so the two that I'm between are making sure that your website is in great shape and the um, adopting a digital franchise model, even if you aren't a franchise. So I, I think I can maybe touch on both. Just don't make me choose one. <laughs> One, what I will say on the website side of things, which I think is very interesting, is apparently, according to Forbes, the average lifespan um, of a website design is two years and seven months. So if you have had your website for longer than that, it's probably time to redesign it and give it a refresh. Um, every year, best practices for you know user experience, UI, all of that changes. So if your site could stand to be refreshed or if it's a little bit out of date, I think you know your off season is the best time to do that. Um, I can leave it at that unless anyone else hang on has i do i want to just I, <laughs> I just want to say something here real quick and then i'll let you move on this is really important because the fact is is that what worked two years ago consumer expectations change literally by the month and so once once a ux or you know a user design kind of gets implemented you know in other industries consumers naturally expect that in all other areas. I mean, you think about how easy it is to buy something on Amazon and you go to a different website and you try to buy something. My gosh, it's crazy, right? How difficult it is. And so I would just say, I agree with this two years and seven months. And because the fact is, is that the consumer has expectations. And, and when you don't keep up with those expectations, it's very easy for them to bounce out once they hit your site and they're not getting, they're not getting the experience that they're, or that they've become accustomed to having. So, all right, number two, or I shouldn't say number two, your second one that you want to talk about there, RB. Yeah, so from the digital side, this is something I'm very passionate about. So we talk about consider adopting a digital franchise model, which basically means having several office locations throughout your service area. So not just having this one hub that services homes that are you know upwards of an hour, hour and a half away, but rather having several different office locations throughout your service area. Um, so this is kind of a, a a digital strategy. I wouldn't even say it's a strategy because I think it's just a natural byproduct of being a franchise. But you think of companies like Terminex and Orkin that really dominate local search engine results pages. They have office locations throughout their entire service area, throughout the entire state, the country, if they service multiple. Um, so this is extremely beneficial from an SEO and an SEM perspective, which obviously that's where my background is. So that's why I this is very important for me to talk about. Um, Google was kind of built for for brick and mortar locations. And so proximity is a very, very important factor in your business showing up. So if you are 45 miles outside of where someone is searching, so I'm in, you know, North Raleigh right now. And if I search pest control near me, you know, if, if, if you have a business that's 45 miles away, are you going to show up over these businesses that are within say one mile or two miles? Probably not. It's not impossible, but it's it's less likely. And so that in itself, just business being built for brick and mortar locations and proximity being such a big factor and service-based businesses really don't benefit from that model, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, that combined with just the, the near me searches that have absolutely exploded in popularity, every single person is searching near me, whether it's restaurant near me, you know, pest control near me, you know, HVAC plumbing near me, whatever it is, this is one of, if not the most 
top search thing um, for home service businesses is everything is near me. Even though as a service-based business, it doesn't really matter where you are located because you are going to the customer's house. house. Um, it is how people are searching. And so you have to adopt your digital strategy to be in line with how people are searching and how people are using the internet. So this is something I feel very, very uh, passionate about. Um, I think it's a very smart business move to have several offices throughout, especially if you service the big area. So we have a mutual client that rents space in his accountant's office just so that he can use it as an address. <laughs> Does that make sense? What What are the rules of having a location? You know, yeah, so you Google have a mailbox, has, but what can you do? Yeah, Google has a list of guidelines, which I definitely recommend looking at. Do people break them all the time and get away with it? Absolutely. Uh, one, it, you know, it can't be a residential space, so it can't be a house. You can't really use that. But again, people get away with it. Um, it can't be a P.O. box. It has to be somewhere that has signage. It has to be somewhere that a, a customer could come visit if they need, um, even though obviously in, in our industry, there's no reason that a customer would ever have to come to you. Um, but yeah, there's a list of guidelines that you technically have to follow. It has to be somewhere that you are actually operating business out of. Uh, but people kind of rig the system and get away with it. Is that's that, not a good long-term is strategy. Is, is that something that we could put up on the website, that uh, that list of, uh, of um, rules? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely, definitely should link the guidelines for sure. I would agree with that. So good. Well, I hate to bring this to an end, but it, because both Rachel's here, you guys have been awesome. This has been a fun conversation, and I think we could probably spend three hours talking about this. Um, but before we close, Dan, any closing thoughts, parting thoughts that you got here for the Rachel's before we end out? And anything no, you think? No, it's, it's a very interesting conversation, and it's uh, it changes year to year. So what we say today, just you know, next year might be totally different, and it's uh, really kind of a um, you got to stay on top of it. Yep. Agreed. RB and RK, any parting thoughts before we finish out? I don't think so. We've got a lot say, more to discuss. Work with, <laughs> work with Colmarch and we'll help you figure all of this out. But that seems a little self-indulgent. But oh, I said it. Well, <laughs> folks, there you have it. We are yet at the end of another PMP Industry Insider Podcast episode. And Rachel and Rachel, I want to thank you guys. This has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. And Dan, as always, it's fun to hear your thoughts on these things as well. If you have questions about this show, uh, again, you can go to pmpindustryinsider.com. We will have show notes. We will have this list there for you to download, as well as the guidelines that Dan talked about. And my super viral super super viral uh youtube video where i kind of talk about how to decide how you're gonna how much money you're gonna spend on marketing um also if you enjoyed this episode please rate and review us uh on apple or however spotify however it is that you listen to our podcast and with that we're gonna close this session out and we will see you all next time take care now okay <laughs>